Thanks for joining us for Open Bible Online today. Open Bible Baptist Church has been in South Jersey for over 60 years. We love this community and we want to be a help to you. In order to help us help you in the best way possible, would you do us a favor? Please fill out the digital connection card posted in this link. Here you could post prayer requests and also ask any questions you may have about Open Bible. If you'd like to give today, you could give online in less than two minutes. Visit openbiblenj.org for more information. Thanks again for joining us today. Now enjoy the service. Uh, last week, if you remember, if you were here last Sunday, I asked you to, I asked you to think about something with me. We looked at the Bible verse. I threw it up on the screen. I'm going to throw it up there, Doug, if you would. Uh, said this, and I corrected the address, Steve, just so you know. <laughs> Steve helped me with that last week. Look at it. To everything, there's a season and a time to every purpose under heaven, right? And from it, God gave me, God gave me some thoughts. He gave me some thoughts, uh, and, and I kind of labeled it as seasonal change or seasons of change. And we began to talk about that last week. In fact, we are in the process right now. We're transitioning right now as, as humans, right? We're transitioning in, in the seasons, and it's becoming visible, isn't it? We're going from summer to fall, autumn. And it's becoming visible. In fact, if you walked out your door this morning, it, it was a little different, wasn't it? In fact, I looked at my, my phone before I walked out the door this morning, and I had to blink three times because last week it was in the 80s, and I walked out in the morning, it was in the 60s. And now today it's only going to be a high of what? 62, 63, whatever. And it was like 47 this morning, right? And uh, wow. And so we are in transition, aren't we? And so we're seeing changes. We're seeing uh, changes in temperature. And then we're going to start to see real soon, we're going to start to see change of color because the, the trees, the colors of the trees are going to be, be, begin to change. And what's going to happen is these, these trees are going to shed their leaves. And it's beautiful until they hit the ground <laughs> because then if you're a property owner, you've got to go clean them up and you've got a lot of trees. That's a lot of work, you know. But then we, even as, as humans, we begin to make some changes, and all right, we begin to prepare ourselves for what's coming, colder temperatures, different kinds of weather, you know. We maybe go into our closet and dig out our, you know, our winter selection from short sleeves to long sleeves and short pants to long pants and whatever you wear, you know, you get your, your parking. We don't live anywhere close to, you know, freezing weather. You know, we don't need parkas and things of that nature, but we get our winter garb out, and so we're getting ready for some seasonal change, correct? The Bible said this. Go back to that verse if you would, Doug. The Bible says, uh, there's a, uh, to everything there's a season and a time to every purpose. So there's a reason for these changes. There's a purpose. And I, I mentioned this last week. Uh, every season has a purpose. Seasonal change has a purpose. God gives nature time to rest. Are you with me? God, now pay attention to that because we're going to come back to that when, when we get to the next element. But God gives to nature time to rest and, and time to replenish, time to heal, right? And that's what we see that goes on. Uh, there's, there's certain seasons, you know, in, in, uh, in, in nature for these things. Uh, well, we can say this, you know, according to what we read in Scripture and how we've lived thus far, there are certain seasons of change in a human being, correct? 
I mean, we go from, we go from uh, uh, one area of life to another. We mentioned this last week. Sometimes you talk to somebody and that person will say to you, yeah, how's things going? Say, well, I'm just going through a season of change. I'm going through a season right now. You ever been through a season? And I don't mean winter, spring, summer, or fall. I mean, you're just going through something. And that something, pay attention right here, that something is going to change you because it's a season of change. Are you with me? We, we noted that last week. And change is a big part of God's design, just like seasonal change has a purpose. Seasons of change in our life have a purpose. Uh, we mentioned this. There's seasons of growth and seasons of rest and seasons of healing and seasons of restoration. Last week, I drew your attention to a text of Scripture, Galatians chapter 6, verse number 9. Go ahead and throw that up. It says, and let us not be weary in well-doing, for in, say it with me, in due season we shall reap if we faint not. There are seasons to reap, right? Seasons to rest and seasons to plant, seasons for growth and seasons to reap. Well, if you walk that text of Scripture backward in Galatians chapter number 6, in verse number 1, we're told this, uh, ye which are spiritual, restore such a one in the spirit of meekness. And so God begins to talk in chapter 6 about the season of restoration. He says, if a man be overtaken in a fault, and you and I, if you live long enough, if we live long enough, you're going to get overtaken sometime or another in your life. In that text, it talks about being overtaken in a fault. It doesn't tell us what the fault is, right? But, it, but, but sometimes we're overtaken in a fault. It could be a fault of your own. I like what the writer of Hebrews talks about in chapter number, uh, chapter number uh, uh, 10, 11, 12, 13. When you get into that text of Scripture, he, be, he begins to talk about these besetting sins. You know, run the race, he says, with patience. Chapter 12, you know, verse number 1. And then he talks about laying aside the weights that so easily beset us, the sins and the weights that so easily beset us. And what he's talking about there is just some of the faults, some of the weaknesses that we have as human beings. So every once in a while, we're overtaken by our own fault, or maybe the fault of another, or maybe it's circumstances. You know, we're overtaken by some circumstances in life, or maybe it's by some people or a person. Go ahead. It's okay. It's, you're, you're amongst friends. Uh, and then sometimes it's just by life itself, you know. Nonetheless, you know, we're going through a season of change, and sometimes that season of change, change calls for restoration. Because he says, uh, if a brother be overtaken, if a man be overtaken in a fault, ye which are spiritual, restore. That's a season of restoration. But I noted this last week, and I want to I highlight it again because I think it's important. He said, ye which are spiritual, restore such a one. So that's an individual who is not at that moment in time overtaken by a fault. That's an individual who at that moment in time is kind of, you know, moving the way they ought to be moving, doing what they ought to be doing. Because everybody at one time or another is overtaken by a fault. Everybody finds themselves at one time or another, and I hate these words, but I'm going to use them anyway, under it. Have you ever been under it? Huh? There's, you can't see anything when you're under it. You need to get above it to see exactly what God is doing. Nonetheless, we all find ourselves at times under it. And so he says to the person who's not under it, you know, to go and help the person who is, right? Ye that are spiritual. And just because I thought it would be important last week, I asked this question, so what does it mean to be spiritual? 
how do you, how do you define spirituality? And I shared this definition. Let me throw it up on there. Here it is. Spirituality, the measure of Christ-likeness in a believer's life. Did you get that? It's a measurement. We would, we would probably measure spirituality by, you know, how much Bible we know or by our attendance at church or by how many minutes we pray or by how many gospel tracts we give out or by how much money we put in the offering plate. And they're all things, 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 which are important because the Bible shares with you and I as believers that we ought to do those things, right? Do you agree? We ought to read our Bible. We ought to pray. We ought to share gospel tracts. We ought to put our money in the offering plate. We ought to, we ought to, we ought to. But that doesn't make you spiritual. Because I know some backslidden people who hand out gospel tracts and read their Bible and put money in the offering plate. Hello? So what does it mean to be to be truly spiritual, it's a measurement of Christ-likeness in a believer's life. In other words, you measure spirituality by how much like Christ you are. Did you get that? Huh? And, and here's, what, uh, here's what we did last week so that there was no assumption about it. Uh, Paul goes on and shares in Galatians chapter number 6, he said this about the spiritual man. We studied it out. You'll have to go back and listen to it if you weren't here. But he said the spiritual person is a meek person, a mindful person, and a mature person. You remember that? Huh? And here, here's, here's, the, here's the teaching in a nutshell, and I'm going to get to today's message here in about, no, 45 minutes. Uh, I just want to make sure you got last week's. Uh, but here's what he says. A spiritual person is someone who is meek or under control of the Holy Spirit. That's important. You're, you've got a tender heart. You have an open ear. You're sensitive to the voice of the Holy Spirit, right? You're meek. He didn't say weak, he said meek. Mm, you're not under your own control, you're under his control, and that makes a difference. And then not only that, but he's mindful. He understands this, that he too is not exempt from the same fault this brother f- has fallen into, right? I mean, we, we can't look at somebody and say, how dare you call yourself a Christian? How dare you call yourself a member of the same church I go to? And you're in that condition? No, the Bible says a spiritual person is mindful. They're mindful that same thing can happen to them. And then, and then we had said this, they're mature. They understand what God is requiring of them. God did not ask them to go and remove someone's burden. He asked them to go and what? Bear someone's burden, lend support. Removing someone's burden doesn't help that person. God placed that maybe that burden in their life for a reason, which I'm going to get to here in just a moment. A, a spiritual man understands what his whole purpose is. I'm just, I'm, I'm supposed to come up alongside of you and support you and lend you encouragement and be there for you, help you to know that you're not alone. I gave this illustration last week. Your car breaks, you're my neighbor, your car breaks down. Andrew, your car breaks down, you live next door to me. I can take your kids to school, but I can't raise them for you. Right? I can support you. You have a situation. I can help you, but I can't remove that whole burden from you. Does that make sense? Huh? And so, uh, Paul speaks about this, this uh, uh, season of restoration. I want to move on this morning. I want to notice, notice something other. I want us to notice another uh, kind of a change, a season of change. And today I want to talk about uh, a season of growth. So, there's a season of restoration. But today I want us to talk a little bit about, notice uh, something about growth. Uh, You know this, there are seasons of growth just as there are seasons for growth. Let me say that again. There are seasons of growth 
just as there are seasons for growth. Uh, I noticed this. I noticed when I lived in Florida, lived there for nine years, nine and a half years, we had seasonal change. Now, you know Florida, right? Um, I just picked that state because I live there and I'm familiar with it. It's pretty much where I lived. I lived on the West Coast between Tampa and Sarasota, you know, about 35, 40 miles south of Tampa. Uh, it was always warm. Uh, in the summer, it was hot. But it was always warm, you know. And, but even though my first year living there, I noticed seasonal change. Because as the seasons changed, because seasonal change is God's design. It's, it's placed into nature. No matter where you live on this globe, you will have the change of seasons. And I noticed this when the seasons began to change, when we got out of summer and went into fall, and then from fall into winter before we went back to summer. There is no spring. There is no spring. You just go bang right into the heat again. You know, it's kind of like flipping a switch. Uh, I noticed this. Even though it was still warm, there were changes. I noticed that I had trees in our yard, and I noticed that at a certain time of the year, not as early as up here, a little later, however, those trees began to shed their leaves. I noticed this. I noticed it didn't rain as much as it did in the summer. And I noticed that the grass didn't stay green, even though it was warm and we had an irrigation system. The grass didn't get as brown as it does up here, but it would turn yellow. It would go dormant. Why? God was giving the grass time to rest and replenish itself so that it can regrow. And I'll tell you something, man. You hit marks and then rain starts. Grass grows. You cut it every other day. In fact, as you're cutting your grass, you're watching it grow. It's discouraging. Huh? And, and I thought about this. I thought about this. It's all in God's. Now, pay attention right here. I'm going to shift. It's all in God's design. And you don't have to agree with this, but this is something I, I think I believe. <laughs> I think I believe. I, I believe that God determines our times of growth. Let me say that again. I believe God determines our times of growth. I think, I think maybe he says, okay, it's time, it's time for, for, uh, uh, for Dave Brown to grow. It's time for James Kima to grow. It's time for Cheryl Brown to grow. God determines why, because everything is in his design, right? And although we may plan for growth, I think God designs and God determines when we grow. Seasons of growth. I think this. I think he places us in a season of growth, a place that we would never position ourselves in. Have you ever been in a situation in your life called a season of growth where God has placed you that you would have never placed yourself? Did you get that? Yeah. I have many times over. I would never, I would never choose this for me. And I'd say all the time, you know, Lord, I don't want to go through this. I don't have time for this right now. I was telling somebody, me and James were talking on Wednesday night about some things going on in, in life. And, and I had said, right now, I think I'm in a season of my life where God is teaching me how to rest. I don't know how to rest. I'm clueless to rest. I haven't rested in 40 years. You know, even on vacations, you ask my family, I don't rest. You know, I'm just always bouncing around, always got to be doing something. I'm first thing up in the morning. I'm out the door going to Wawa, picking up donuts, doing. I don't know how to rest. And I think God is trying to teach me right now that, son, you need some rest. And, I, and I, you know what I'm saying to him? I don't want to rest. I don't want to learn this right now. 
I want to just keep going and going and going, you know? But he's saying you're going to need to learn how to rest because, you know, life is changing and there are seasons of change. <laughs> are you with me? And so God places us in situations. Oh, I hope you're getting this. He places us in situa situations that we would not place ourselves in. Why? Because, listen, listen, even though I say, Lord, stretch my faith. I don't mean it. It just sounds good. It sounds good. Because if I really meant it, you know, I say, Steve, for the next two weeks, don't pay me. I, I said, I would say. I didn't say, but I would say, don't pay me. Hold my paycheck for the next month. Just don't tell my wife. And I'm going to beg God to help me live by faith for, for the next 30 days. We don't do stuff like that. We don't pray, God, you know what? I'm feeling sort of melancholy. I'm feeling sort of out of it. I'm feeling stale. Everything is just, I, I don't see any own personal growth. Would you, would you just do whatever you need to do to get me moving again? When was the last time you prayed that? Come on, man. Let's be real here. That doesn't happen, does it? No. So God knows when it's time for you and I to grow. He gives us enough space, you know, to whatever. And then he says, enough is enough. It's time to grow. And he places us in a season of growth in a position, pay attention, in a position we would never place ourselves. Huh? And for a while, for a while, you may resist it and fight it if you're like me. <laughs> you know, you just hate it. And then all of a sudden you begin to realize, wait a second, I'm not here by my design. I'm not, I didn't choose this for me. He chose this for me. And so he must have a purpose for me in this. Are you listening real good? And the purpose is, it's a season of growth. God wants you and I, he wants us to grow and become what he wants us to be. Does that make sense? I don't know if it does or not, but I believe it does. Notice the scripture. Look at this text, Romans chapter 1, verse number 17. Look at this. For therein is the righteousness of God revealed. From what? Say it. Faith to faith. As it is written, the just shall live by faith. So how does God, pay attention, how does God reveal himself to us? Listen to this, one step at a time. One step at a time. It's, it's along the journey of faith. Huh? Uh, therein is righteousness of God, the, right, the way of God. Mm, the, the righteousness of God reveals the right path that God chooses. How does it reveal it to us? One step at a time or from faith to faith, right? There's that initial faith that you and I express at salvation. And then there's that ongoing faith, you know, that is a process in life. And God says this, I'm going to reveal my plan to you step by step. You take one step, and then I'll show you the next step, and then the other, and another, and another. And it's just faith to faith. That's how God does it. Why? Because God is not trying to hurry up the process. Say amen right there. There's no shortcuts. No, the whole idea is that you and I, while here, are becoming more like him. Right? You've heard this said before. Uh, he's trying to just iron out all the wrinkles. So that when we get to heaven, as the bride of Christ, we're presentable. Man, that was good. You didn't say a word. You didn't say anything. Alex. Amen. Are you with me? And so it's from faith to faith. And notice he quotes an Old Testament prophet Habakkuk in the last few words where he says, the just, that's us, shall live. By what? By faith. The just shall live by faith. 
And just to be thorough, let's define faith. Go ahead and flash it. Trusting in the God of the Bible and obeying his written word. What is faith? It's not some whimsical leap in the dark. You know, it's not some, well, I got nowhere else to turn. No, faith is when you and I trust in the God of the Bible and then obey his written word. You can't say you have faith if you're not obeying God's word. No, I don't know what you have, but you ain't got faith because faith and obedience go hand in hand. And so when you're, when you're talking about, you know, growing in your faith, what you're saying is, is I'm, I'm, I have faith to trust God and faith to obey God. Are you with me? And that's why I'll say again, I believe God determines our time of growth. And maybe right now you're going through a season of change. I want to ask you to raise your hand, but maybe you are. I mean, it's just like the, the seasons change in nature, so does change occur in human beings. Someone said this. I read this a long time ago, maybe heard this. I don't remember. When I was younger, they said, me and Jason were talking about this, right, Jason? Every seven years, your metabolism changes. Every seven years. You hear that before? Seven, 14, 21, 28, so on, right? And so at every seventh year, your meta- you're, you're, you change. Your body changes. That's what they say. I don't know if it's true or not, but I, I think it is because I've lived some of them changes. I remember when I changed life. You know what I did? I bought a Harley-Davidson. I did. I really did. I used to own a Harley. Yeah. And, uh, and right, Donna? And my, my wife said, he's changing, he's changing life. He's just going out of his mind. I was 40 years old or something like that. I didn't have hot flashes, but I had a hot bike. <laughs> it was beautiful, man. It was gorgeous. My wife hated it. Every time I cranked it up, she hated it, you know? It was a fat boy, 2001 fat boy. It was beautiful, all chromed out. I loved that thing. In fact, I admired it more than I rode it. <laughs> Until one day I had to sell it because I didn't ride it, you know, made my wife real happy, you know. So you go through these seasons of change, and maybe right now it's a season that God's determined for growth, for growth. Maybe God has determined that it's time for, for you to grow a little bit in your, in your life. And so I got three simple Bible verses, three challenges this morning for you from Scripture, from three Bible characters. Notice the first one. This comes from the Apostle Paul. If you have your Bibles, I'd love for you to turn, but I do have some scriptures on the screen. Ephesians chapter number 4, if you can look there with me, the Apostle Paul exhorts uh, the church in Ephesus to grow. And here's what he said. Look, at, look in verse 15, uh, 14, 15. Read, read. I put it up on screen. It's pretty small on the screen because the more scripture you put on the screen, the smaller it's got to be. That's why I asked you to turn your Bibles. I'm going to look at verse 13. He says, till we all come in the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God, into a perfect man, that means perfect, that means complete, that means mature, under the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ, that we henceforth be no more children, tossed to and fro and carried about with every wind of doctrine by the slight of men and cunning craftiness, whereby they, they lie in wait to deceive. But, he says, instead, speaking the truth in love may, look at the next two words, what are they? Grow up. Say it, grow up. Anybody ever tell you before, just grow up? Huh? Paul just said to the church in Ephesus, no, would you just grow up? Huh? Would you? And then God preserves it for all time, for every generation, for every believer, that we just grow up. You know how many times I've been told as a youngster, as a teenager, as a young adult by somebody, man, why don't you just grow up? Just grow up. Well, here the Bible tells us to grow up. Grow up. Grow up. 
And then you know what Paul does? I like this. He gives us the evidence of what a grown-up looks like. Help me. Aren't you glad that we don't get to fill in the blanks? What does it mean to be grown up? Well, it means you, you be an Eagles fan, man. You go to every game, get season tickets. I'm a grown up. No, we don't get to fill in the blanks. No, the Bible fills in the blanks for us. Huh? Here's what he says about being grown up. Evidences, evidences. He says, you speak the truth in love. You speak the truth in love. That's an evidence of somebody who's grown up. Right? That, that's growth. Because before, you know, man, I tell you what, I just, I just say it like I say it. That can get you in a lot of trouble. Are you with me? But now, because I'm growing up, I think before I speak, and I try to speak the truth in love. Not only that, he talks about unity in the body. He talks about edification. Look at verse, um, you got your Bibles open? Look at verse 16. From whom the whole body fitly joined together and compacted by that which every joint supplieth. That means we need each other according to the effectual working in the measure of every part maketh increase of the body into the edifying of itself. We edify each other, and we love each other. So what's he saying? He's saying this, when it comes time for growing and growing, we need to sometimes just grow up. And here's some of the evidences of being grown up. You're going to speak the truth in love, meaning this, you're going to change the way you speak and address others. I said this last week, one of the measurements that I use for maturity is how you treat other people, how we treat others. That's a real good sign of how mature you are in the Lord. If others are disposable, if others don't matter to you, you know, if you can offend somebody and it doesn't, you're not really mature in the Lord. You're not that Christ-like. Because the Bible teaches, if you look at the passages, one another passages, they're all over the place. Love one another, forgive one another, encourage one another, edify one another, other, other, other. Huh? You'll find more one another passages than, than me passages. Right? Maturity isn't based upon how I care about me. Maturity is based upon how I care about you. How about, are you with me? And then not only does he give us evidence of growth in that same passage, the challenge is to stop acting like children. Verse 14, stop, don't be tossed, you know, to and fro as a child. And I kind of sum that up with a few just words, uh, unstable, vulnerable, easily sidetracked. And I could go on. That's childish. That's immaturity. Unstable. You know, you're in, you're out, you're up, you're down. Always easily sidetracked, vulnerable to every, every whim, every trickery of the devil. We're children. So he says, grow up. But did you notice this? Look at verse 15 again. Speaking the truth in love may grow up into what? Him. What's the goal? What's the goal? Yeah, be like him. Yeah, grow up, but grow up into him. I want to be like Mike. Remember that? Everybody want to be like Mike. Now, our desire ought to be, I want to be like him. I want to be like him. Peter exhorts the church, second Bible character, 2 Peter chapter 3, verse 18. Look, Bible, look, at, look at the screen. Peter says this, but grow in grace and in the knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. To him be glory both now and forever. Amen. Grow in grace and in knowledge. Speaks about a good balance there, huh? growing in grace and knowledge. Grace will enable us to use the knowledge of Him in a fruitful way. Why is that? You know, knowledge can cause your head to grow to the extreme, right? Paul said to a church in Corinth, 
He said this in chapter 8, 1 Corinthians chapter 8, verse number 1. He said, knowledge puffeth up, but, but, but charity, love, edifieth. Knowledge, man, can get in your head and make you to think you're somebody you're not. Are you with me? Peter says this, we ought to grow in grace and knowledge. Knowledge to know what to do, grace to enable us to do it. Does that make sense? Are you with me, church? Grace to know, uh, knowledge to know what to do, and grace to enable us to do it. And so I need to grow in knowledge. I said this last week, and it's an old saying. You can never be like Christ until you know what Christ was like. You grow in the knowledge of him. What would Jesus do? Remember that saying back in, what, the 80s? WWJD, what would Jesus do? Remember that? Was that the 80s or 90s? When was that? 90s. What would Jesus do? It wasn't a bad thing. I mean, it's pretty good to ask yourself, in this situation that I'm in right now, what would Jesus do? And you come to the knowledge of our Savior Jesus, and then when you do it, you are being Christ-like. It's not that hard to figure out. It really isn't. But if you were to look in chapter 3, and we, we don't have time to go there, previously in chapter 3 of uh, 2 Peter, Peter, he's, he's talking about the judgment of the Lord. And you know what he says? Let me just read one verse for you. In verse 17 of chapter 3, listen to this. He says, Ye therefore, beloved, seeing ye know these things before, beware, lest ye also, being led away with the error of the wicked, fall from your own steadfastness. Now, I'm going to stop it right here. And if I have to quit before I get to the third point, I'll quit. But I don't want you to miss this. 2 Peter 3, 17, he says this, you know, there's some things seeing, you know these things. What things? Previously, he's talking about him judging the world. You know, he's never going to judge the world again by water, but he's going to judge it by fire. Seeing that you know this, he says in, in, in verse 17, don't, don't be led away with the error of the wicked that causes you to fall in your own steadfastness. How many people do we see today that are falling from their own steadfastness? They don't want to go to church no more. They don't want to hear preaching no more. They don't want the Bible no more. Don't tell me about Jesus no more. Been there, done that. What happened? I'll tell you what happened. They got duped. And so he says, because you know these things, instead of, instead of being led away by error, he says, grow in grace and the knowledge. See how that fits into the context? So Peter's saying this, so that you don't fall away, so you don't become an apostate, so that you don't waste your life. You can't lose your salvation, but you can certainly lose your life. Right? Saved soul, lost life. So you don't become that, overtaken, and then just staying in the state of being overtaken. Grow in grace and knowledge. Learn about Jesus, and then do Jesus. Do Jesus. I like that. I love it when I get one amen, because then I know I'm really on to it, because then you're shaking up. I wish you'd start saying amen more. <laughs> don't flash it, Doug. No flashing. Doug's a flasher. Let me give you one final exhortation. You got that, huh? Here's one final exhortation. Jesus exhorts the church. Jesus himself exhorts the church. John chapter 15. I'm going to ask you to turn there and we'll finish. John 15. It begins in verse 1 about being the true vine, father, the husbandman. He's the owner of the vineyard. 
right? And he says in verse 5, he says, I'm the vine, you're the branches, he that abideth in me, and I in him. The same bringeth forth much fruit, for without me you can do. You can do nothing, right? So what's he, what's he saying here? Listen, let me, let, me, let, me, let me just mention this, and I promise we'll, we'll get to the end. He uses an analogy to demonstrate the importance of staying connected. He uses the analogy of the vine and the branches, right? And, and the analogy is just demonstrate, is to demonstrate just how important it is for you and I to stay connected to him. Are you with me? And I could give you a list of things that connect us, but I, I think you've been around long enough. Bible connects you, prayer connects you, church will connect you, good Christian fellowship will connect you, small group will connect you. We ought to be involved in all of that. We ought to stay connected. You know what isolation is? Isolation is destruction. When you isolate, you're looking really to destroy yourself. You get away from, and now, now the only voice you're hearing sometimes is the voice in your head. Huh? You've you got to be careful with that. And so Jesus says, says stay connected. And, and, and we need to stay connected if we're going to bear fruit that is acceptable. And it's not just bearing fruit. Look at verse number 8. Uh, verse 8 says this. Flip it, guys. Uh, Herein is my Father glorified that ye bear what? Much fruit. Not just fruit, but bearing much fruit. Or in other words, growing. So now I'm bearing fruit. Now I'm bearing much fruit. So shall you be my disciples. He said this in chapter 15, verse 16. You have not chosen me. I've chosen you. And I've ordained you that you might go and bring forth fruit and that your fruit might remain. Right? Staying connected. Staying connected. And what he does so that we can bear much fruit is this. He prepares us for growth. This brings me to my initial thought. He prepares us for growth. Look at verse 2. I'll put it on the screen. Every branch in me that beareth not fruit, he takes away. Every branch that beareth fruit, what's he do? He leaves it alone. No, he doesn't leave it alone. He purges it. Now, let me just put my spin on this. If the Holy Spirit of God is leaving you alone, there's something wrong with you. Your ears are clogged. Your heart is stopped. If the Holy Spirit is leaving you alone, there's something wrong. Every branch in me that beareth not fruit, let me say it this way, he just leaves alone. Every branch that bears fruit, what's he do? He purges it so that it might bring forth what? More fruit. Did you see that? Huh? So if God is bothering you right now, if you're under conviction, if, if you're going through a season, you know what he's trying to do? He's trying to get you to become more fruitful. Amen. But if you say, I don't want that. I don't see anything happen in my life. Well, how's your, how's your Bible reading doing? When you come to church, are you listening? Are you, are you engaged? Are you getting anything from it? Uh, do you have, you know, are you in a small group? We have some great small groups here during the week. Sunday morning, 9.30, great small groups. And many times during the week, people meet in small group. And are you connected? Because then, you know, iron sharpens iron, and we help each other become what God wants us to be. Right? Why? Because we're all going to go through a season, a season of change. Some of it is for restoration. Some of it is for growth. Growth. God gives time to rest, replenish, and grow. You know? And then there's seasons to reap. We'll talk about that maybe if the Lord tarries. Huh? But seasons to grow. You know, preparing for growth takes work, effort, patience, right? But it's worth it. Listen to what the Bible says. I'll finish. James chapter number 1, 
look what it says. But let patience have her perfect work that ye may be perfect and entire, wanting nothing. Right? Did you ever read James 1? It's great. My brethren, count it all joy when you fall into different kinds of temptations or trials, knowing this, the trying of your faith worketh patience. Let patience have her perfect work that ye might be perfect, entire, wanting nothing, or in other words, complete, mature. Let God have his way. God's up to something. I said this in a Wednesday evening Bible study a few weeks back. We're talking about hope. Romans chapter 15, uh, 15 verse 13. It says, now the God of hope, are you with me? Now the God of hope give you all joy and peace in believing that you might abound in hope through the power of the Holy Spirit. Really says Holy Ghost in that verse. Huh? And I said this, here's what hope is. Hope is me knowing that God is up to something in this situation. And so, may the God of hope give you, give you joy and peace in believing that you might abound in hope. God, you're up to something here. I know you are. I know I'm trying to help somebody. I hope, I hope you're getting it. Let patience have her perfect, that ye might be perfect and entire, wanting enough, complete, mature, exactly where God wants me to be. How many of us would say right now, look up here, look up here. How many of us would say right now with confidence, don't say it out loud, I am today right where God, I don't mean geographically, spiritually, I am today right where God wants me to be. And if you know you're not, good for you. God bless you. God bless you. Because you know you're not where you ought to be. And the very first step in getting to where God wants you to be is to admit you're not where you ought to be. Hello! Come on, church! I want to be where God wants me to be. How about you? Right? I want to be all that He wants me to be and all that I can be for Him. One final verse, Colossians chapter 2. Verse 6, he says, As you have therefore received Christ Jesus the Lord, so what? Walk ye in him. Notice, rooted and built up in him, established in the faith, as ye have been taught, abounding therein with thanksgiving. What does that do? That takes us right back to that season of growth, that season of change, where God is trying to get us to where he wants us to be. And it's not a mystery. It really isn't. He wants you to know where he wants you to be. You just got to be open to it. You got to say, Lord, you got me in the season right now. Help me listen to what, what you want for me. Give me what you have for me. Seasons of change. I believe they're imposed by the Lord in nature and in life. And every season has its purpose. Seasons of growth come our way to help us to grow in our faith and become more like the Lord Jesus Christ. Plain and simple. So let me ask you, are you in a season of growth right now? Are you in a season of change? Maybe it's a season of growth. And if it is, God is just trying to He's just trying to chip something away so that he can add something that makes you more like the Lord Jesus Christ. Best thing we can do is just get out of the way and let him have his way. I've been thinking a lot this week about that that old hymn, I Surrender All. All to Jesus I surrender. All to him I freely give. It's nice to sing it, but it's really hard to practice it, isn't it? Isn't it? Maybe Maybe this week we'll practice it. for watching us online today. If you haven't done so already, please fill out a digital connection card so we know how to better serve you this week. 
For encouragement throughout your week, you can listen to past sermons by searching Open Bible Baptist Church on the Apple Podcasts or Google Play Store. If you'd like to give today, you could give online at openbiblenj.org. Thanks again for joining us today. We'll see you on the next broadcast.